Hello, everyone. This is Lisa Freitas. And I'm Katie Saad, and welcome to another episode of 90 Day Disasters, a 90 Day Fiance Recap Podcast. We are two moms, lawyers, and reality TV junkies here to break down for you the fire in a trash can that is TLC's 90 Day Fiance. All right, everyone, grab your K-1 visas and let's get started. Oh, and because we are lawyers, we need to cover our butts. So please listen to the disclaimer at the end of the episode. Hey guys, we're finally back and we are doing a double episode of 90 Day Fiance Happily Ever After Season 4. We're going to do episodes 2 and 3 and I'm excited to be here with Katie again after our little hiatus. Yes, actually it was a long hiatus and we were both really, really unhappy about it. Um, I did survive my trip to Lebanon, so that's positive and we told you a little bit about that last week. I also want to start this episode... By acknowledging some fan feedback we have received, um, we know that the sound quality has been bothering you guys, and it's totally fair enough because it's been really, really shitty. So we are working on it. We hope that this episode is a little improvement, but we have more work to do, and we do intend to do that. So please stick with us. Yes, and continue to give us feedback. It's super helpful, and we do take it seriously. Very seriously. We're happy to hear your constructive criticism (laughs) and your praise of course yes always welcome (laughs) all right so should we get started yes let's see this is season four episode two and the title of it is in for a shock um this aired back on cinco de mayo and it starts with colton larissa and if you remember at the the last part of the first episode was Larissa going out to talk to producers, and we were all like, dun, dun, dun. And it was clearly bullshit. Yeah, and it was stupid. I don't even remember what she said. She said she felt like a prisoner. Okay, so that's so how she just basically it was. wanted to go and complain to them, and for some reason didn't want them to hear her complain because it was totally stupid. Yeah, that was idiotic. She's really irritating. Yeah, and she's and she's totally making it Debbie's fault. Like Debbie's making her life a living hell. Um. So. I, you know, the thing that also kind of bothered me, though, about this is they, they interviewed Debbie, right? And Debbie's, like, upset because she's like, oh, this is so miserable living with Larissa. But, you know, as much as I think that Larissa is a monster, I also feel like, shut the fuck up, Debbie. Like, if you don't like it, move out. Well, I think, and I said this last, last time, I think she's there to protect Colt. And I think that she's, like, honestly worried about what would happen to him if she left. I mean, consider the fact that he did ultimately feel that it was necessary to call the police. And I know now he's backpedaling and he's pretending like nothing really happened. But my my view is that it's highly likely she actually did physically assault him. And, you know, and that that's why he called the police. And, and I think that's a fair line to draw. Um, and Debbie could really not, not, I'm sure she's not worried that we're just going to kill him or something. But she might really be worried. That if she left, things would would really become untenable and he'd be alone. Yeah, but you know what? He's fucking 33 or 34 or whatever. Like, yes, yes, he needs to be alone. But they don't have a codependent relationship or anything. Right. You're forgetting the context here. No, I mean, I get it. I just feel like, you know. This is Colt and Debbie, not like a normal No, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Um, So then, so, okay. So just to put this in here really quickly. When I took notes on this episode, I took them in um, 
the sequence in which the episode ran. So I skipped from diff- to different parties. But for the next episode, I decided to do something a little bit different. And I just wrote notes about each couple. And so we'll talk about each couple and exhaust everything that happened in that episode about that couple and then move to another couple. I feel like that might be a little bit better organized, but for this episode, I still went back to the old format. Thank you, Madam Secretary. You're welcome. So, <laughs> now we talk about ugh, Azan and Nicole. Ooh, yeah. I mean, this this is starting to become um, really boring because nothing's happening with them. No, I want to get her that book, He's Just Not That Into You. I mean, she... she well. Um, I she, don't know whether she reads much, but <laughs> even if she did, they're, they're, this this girl and reality are like oil and water. Yeah, like I know. She cannot let it into her psyche. Yeah, I'm not sure if... I, I don't even know what he stands to gain at this point, particularly mm-hmm. since like now they're talking about meeting in Granada, another like Muslim-friendly, Moroccan-friendly country that they could go to without him needing a visa. The South Korea expulsion story is pretty suspect. Yeah, it's kind of I like... Mean, well, I what? don't think they normally turn people back at the airport unless there's a good reason. Right, so there's something shady going on anyway. Yeah. But if South Korea is not going to let you in, I mean, good luck with the United States giving you a visa. That's. The, I think that's... And Nicole's mom says that. I think she says it in the next episode. Yeah. She says that, and it's a really fair point. But so what, like, what's in it for him now? Like, is he really going to move to another country? Country. Is she really going to move to Morocco and raise her daughter there, even though she knows nothing of the culture or the language or anything? Like, So one thing I'll say about Nicole and Azen is that I think they are working with similar degrees of, of understanding and sophistication. I don't actually think in this particular case, unlike a, you know, Sean and Abby situation, there's this huge imbalance of... Right kind of awareness and this like massive manipulation going on. I think these two are actually very, very inefficiently manipulating each other. I guess so. You know? I mean, I, so I, in other words, I don't think he has an end game is the answer to your question. And I okay. think that's why the end game has not materialized and it just keeps dragging and dragging and dragging and nothing's happening because I think he doesn't know what he wants to do. And even if he did, I don't think he'd have the wherewithal to actually execute. Yeah. Cause I mean, I get it for her. I mean, he's giving her some sort of attention and she's excited to go to Granada so they could, like, hook up on the beach. Yeah, she needs to stop, like, she's... talking about yeah. about that. <laughs> we are not here for that. No. Um, so, anyway. And he's definitely... No, he's not absolutely here not here for that. Um, so, then we move on to another sad couple. Um, Chantal and Pedro. And Ooh, I, last time we dark. talked... Okay, so the last time we talked, I know you were more Team Chantal than Team Pedro. Yeah, no, I'm switching. I'm... So anti Chantal. I can't stand her. I don't know what it is about her that bothers me, but she seems so like, I am so above this guy that yeah, I married. Yeah, she seems very entitled. She's so condescending. And then he comes out in the in the most recent episode, and we'll talk about it later, with this claim that she is using his sort of immigrant status against him. And right, I, once I heard that, and I have to say I believe him. Yeah. Once I heard that, I really turned on her, and I realized that the apple probably is not falling too far from the tree. Right. As far as La Femme Chantel. Oh, gosh. That family is out of control. They're I can't crazy. even... I mean, okay, maybe he did instigate the fight, and it was his... That whole fighting thing was his fault. But, like, the reality is, like... He was totally outnumbered. Like, if you look yeah. at it in the context that I'm now starting to see materialize, that this family really has been bullying him and possibly holding his immigration status against him. 
Um, yeah. yeah, it's not on, it's not surprising that he snapped when he finally had his sister there, I think was the difference that he finally had a little bit of support. Right. And I'm you guessing know, that's what really ultimately instigated that, that he felt like he had some backup and he did. I mean, didn't, didn't Chantal's mother like pull out the sister's weave? Well, I'm pretty sure that happened. Yeah, she was like shaking the weave. Yeah. <laughs> it was going to be a tumbling tumbleweed. Yeah. It was crazy. But yeah, I just, yeah. And so now Pedro wants to go to the Dominican Republic and he wants to go alone. And yeah, Chantal's... I think he's running away. I mean, I don't think he wants to come back really. I don't either. Although. Except he does appear to want the green card. Yeah. So I don't know that he's really going to go away for good, but she's really like, doesn't want him to go by himself and thinks it's ludicrous that he'd want to go see his family by himself, which I I understand why he wants to go. Why yeah. would? Why does she want to go? She hates his family. No, she doesn't want to go. She doesn't want him to want to go without her. That's all it is. Yeah, I know. It's all controlling. Yeah. Um, and Chantal's mom invites both of them to Thanksgiving, and Pedro says he doesn't want to go. Right. Which I totally understand, and I think Chantal understands, but then, as we will see later, when they actually get there, she totally turns on Pedro. Um... Okay, just a quick note about Andre and Elizabeth. They go to their ultrasound appointment, and they're super cute. I don't know why they had to go to the hospital for that. That was interesting to me. To do their ultrasound? Yeah, like, for me, I've, I mean, I've had two now, and they're always just in, like, an ultrasound clinic kind of a thing. But I yeah, guess but they might just, not have that kind of clinic. Yeah, it was just curious them. to me. It was interesting to me that they had to go to, like, a full-on hospital for it. I thought it was, and this is the same thing which is with Chantel, where I'm starting to turn on Elizabeth's family a little bit more, and I'm starting to see Andre as more of a victim of them. The idea that they all thought they had the right to be in the room for the ultrasound no. is really odd. That's not normal in American culture, and I'm sure they're trying to tell him that it is, and it's messed up. No, because that's totally not normal. It's not normal at all. I wouldn't even. I didn't even. Would even, would not even occur to me no. to ask my family to come to the. Well, I'm not saying it's weird. Like it's not cool to do that. I'm just saying it's not actually the norm. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. Like no. maybe in the delivery room. Maybe. But Some that's people who are really that has to, to be the choice of the people. The mother, really. The mother, really. But, like, it has to be, like, a kind of And in of this case, consensus. on the day, too, because she's not really... Elizabeth, I, I would say, is less vulnerable in this situation than she is in the birth situation. It's right. more just, like, information. Yeah. No, I agree. All right. Now we get to back to Colt and Larissa. And, um... Okay, so this is where he goes on his, like... Colt and Debbie go on a date. That was cute. I wanted a margarita so bad when I was watching that. And it was a strip mall, Mexican place. I literally found myself Googling the neighboring businesses. Oh, to so find that, out Yeah, where. to find out where it is. So the next time we go to Vegas, maybe we can like get a little closer oh, to him, like be in his neighborhood. Yeah. And then we could like sl- slide into his DMs and be like, like last time we were just like, oh, we're in Vegas. And I don't think he took it that seriously. I think this time we could be like, oh, we're at this, your local Mexican strip yeah. mall spot. Why don't you, why don't Come you on delay on delay over here and have a we'll margarita, buy a margarita, a watered down margarita. <laughs> I think two. that sounds awesome. Go, so did you find crazy. it? I don't remember now. Mm. I have too many tabs open. I'll we'll, go back. We'll go back and we'll have to deep, do yeah. a deep dive. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is where, you know, Colt is not going to last very long. So she it's might as well true. not give up her, her spot with cookie dough. <laughs> All right. Now we get to Russ and Pow. And she's nervous because she's expect- expecting the worst when she goes back to 
Oklahoma and, you know, she's really nervous. And, you know, I was really team pow. Um, I'm actually team Russ and pow because I think they're going to make it and mm-hmm. I really like them as a couple. But in this whole, like, everybody in Oklahoma hates me scenario, I was really team pow because it's got to feel isolating to be sort of the outsider. But as we'll see in episode three, yeah. I, I kind of changed my mind. Agreed. Um, but for now, it is hard and I feel for them both because, you know, it's Russell's family and it's Powell is having the grandchild, you know? Um, then we go to Ashley and Jay and this is like probably my favorite scene of theirs where Jay goes to the barbershop and he's telling the guys what happened <laughs> and they think he's fucked. <laughs> And they think he was wrong, honestly. Oh, like, you, they're totally laughing at him. Yeah, you don't get this idea of, oh, like, you know, it's her fault. Or, you know, she, she's overreacting. It's more like, whoa, you completely did the wrong thing. You completely violated mm-hmm. your marriage vows. Like, you better pray that she takes you back and do some serious stuff. You know, backpedaling and gift giving and all kinds of things to try to get her back because you're totally on your back foot. These guys are like my favorite characters oh, they're the of best. this whole show. They're like, the I love them. They're like, dude, you need to find a hobby. You bored. They, they should be doing the 90 day pillow talk just with oh, those guys. Yes. That's what we need. Totally. Like in the barbershop. Bring the barbershop. Watching it. Yeah. That would be amazing. Cause they are so funny and they're totally right. Like they just call They're like, what you did? What? You got on a dating site? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, you need to find a hobby, man. And, you know, and the thing is, he can't work. And so he, it's kind of, they're kind of in this really bad circular thing. You know, Ashley just needs to make a decision yeah. because he can't work and contribute. And she's not going to do the paperwork for his visa until he starts to step up. Right. But he can't do that until she does the paperwork for the visa. So it's like a chicken-egg situation in Mm -hmm. there. Kind of stuck going round and round. Um, So now we go to uh, Nicole and Ozan again. And she goes, oh my God. This is like the stupidest thing ever. She goes to a staffing agency. And that woman, the recruiter or the staffer, is like, what the fuck is happening right now? Who goes to a staffing agency and doesn't bring a resume? Nicole. <laughs> the most Nicole thing to ever Nicole. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like and she's she, like, oh, don't don't let them think that they're going to get me to keep me long term because, you know, yeah. I could just be out of here at the drop of a hat. She's like the perfect bad candidate. Yeah. She's like, there, there's no way she's going to get a job. I mean, if she's looking for super short term work, I mean, I guess there's a market for that. You know, I, like we really just need to backfill this position for two weeks or whatever. Yeah, yeah but she you has need a body for that. No office experience. Yeah, I don't know how she's no computer do the skills, job. no college degree. I mean, she's a fucking hot mess. She should just go back to Starbucks or whatever. And she's she's a hot mess, but doesn't and doesn't even try to like sell herself or try to make it work. Like, I mean, okay, you might leave at a drop of a hat, but we all know that's never going to happen. So just try to get the job. She doesn't seem to have much motivation. You know, even in this situation where she has a clear goal, where she wants to have the money to go to Grenada and she also needs to sort of probably have money to bring him over or whatever, she still can't, like, bring herself to to work for it. You know, and I don't know if it's because she was given too much sort of growing up or or what it is, but she she is sort of the poster child for entitled millennials. Yeah, like... You need to let, she is the reason why you need to let your kids fail. 
Well, and it's really sad to me that she's, you know, in this position to raise this kid and she's clearly still a kid herself, you know, and yeah. not just in terms of age, just in terms of maturity. sheer maturity. Oh my God. And, it's like she's never going to grow up. I mean, if, if having a kid at a young age doesn't make you grow up, honestly, I don't know what does. Mm. Yeah, she is a hot mess. And the whole thing was just like ridiculous. I mean, she could have asked her mom, hey, mom, I'm going to a staffing agency. What should I do to prepare I think that I think honestly it was all fake, and the 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 producers just like walked her into that building. She barely even knew what she was doing. There. Yeah, probably. Like, I don't think it was a real interview. That was just sad. Not to like peek behind the curtain, but come on. That was sad. Um, Chantal and Pedro. Chantal goes to visit her brother River while he's cutting his demo. Yeah, that was speaking really of funny. entitled millennials. Yeah, totally. That whole family is just entitled millennials and just delusional. Well, that too. Like, they're all, they're kind of like Nicole in the sense that this family doesn't seem to understand what reality is. Yeah. They're like Nicole, but with money. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, and then we go to Colt and Larissa, and she's super paranoid. Um, and Colt goes to sit down with Larissa. The hard part for me is that I know, I'm sure he's not trying to be, but like, Colt comes and he, and he tries to be like, I think he's trying to engage with her and be a nice guy, but it comes off so, like, fake and smarmy in a way. Smarmy is the like, word. Like, it's just so weird. Like, hi, sweetheart. Hi, darling. And he also I, says that to his mother. Yeah, it's just weird. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to be catty, or maybe I do, but that gray and maroon sweatshirt is not doing him any favors. I do, I... I do think that he's missing something in the emotional intelligence arena. I will, I will say that. Like for more sure. than more than the average man is. missing I mean, that. for sure. I think that he is overly sensitive, and he and he's trying really hard. Like it seems like he's trying really hard to be like this really ultra sensitive, mm-hmm. like you know, emotionally connected person, but it. The affect isn't there. Agree. It's just like this total disconnect. Agreed completely. But then she's also like a train wreck because she keeps calling him her sponsor. <laughs> well, she's like overly emotional and he's under emotional. Yeah. So it is that kind of like Jack Spratt couple, you know, where they're trying totally. to fix what's missing in them. It is. And she's clearly like, hey, you're my sponsor. You're, you're supposed to pay for everything. Um, sort of uh, yeah, thing, which I, is sort and of. And I came down on his side on that one a little bit, where yeah. it's like, okay, reasonable requests, maintenance, etc. But if you're talking, you know, everybody has to live within their means, and in her case, she has to live within his means. Right. And I think she's trying to live way beyond his means, and we saw that with the car mm-hmm. situation. And then, I'll just quickly mention they go to Russ and Powell, and she's nervous, but whatever. Just nerves. Nothing gets exciting with them until the next episode. I love her maternity style. She's just she's beautiful. So daring. She's so beautiful and so well put together. And I think so she confident. looks so much better like now than when she first, you know, went to Oklahoma and met Russ's parents and came down in her little like lingerie nighty outfit. Yeah, it was like it was almost like she was a tryhard. You know, like it was just too much. Mm-hmm. But now it's like. It's a toned down version of that, but it's a more mature version as well. Yeah, she has grown up in like this. Like the haircut, the like, you know, her clothes aren't as... Revealing. Revealing, and she's a little bit more... I, I like it. I think she looks great. I think she looks beautiful. Um, and then Ashley and Jay. I... This is so tired. This The storyline is so tired because what else can he do? Like, there's... 
she just needs to decide if she's going to forgive him or not. And she doesn't want to make the decision. And so it's just this like limbo. She doesn't want to admit defeat is what I don't like about it. It really has nothing to do with him. She knows she doesn't want to be with him. She just also knows that she doesn't want to be made a fool of, etc. which is kind of funny. It's in too this late. Con- yeah, that ship exactly. has sailed. The ship has sailed big time. Yeah. So he gets her Chinese food and he's like, sorry, I can't, don't have a job. So I can't get you more than just takeout. She barely eats it. I noticed. She's like, well, I'm hungry, so I guess I'll eat it instead of. Oh, thank you. What a thoughtful gesture. <laughs> I totally wanted to eat that Chinese food. Oh my God, it looked delicious. It looked bomb. <laughs> Maybe we should get that for lunch. I know, yeah. We could totally get Chinese that food. That could be a good idea. That sounds good. Sorry, guys. Like, I feel like salt soy sauce would be... Yes. Would yes. be killer right now. Um, yeah, I just feel like, you know, what can he do? Yeah, he can't do anything. I think that it's just a... It is a long, slow, painful death of something that really he ended very quickly and in a way bloodlessly. And she should have just, she she should have accepted what it was when it actually happened. Like nothing has changed in the interim between when she found this thing out about Tinder and now. And so I don't know why she's acting like they're moving parts to this thing. Yeah, I don't either. It's But ridiculous. I feel sorry for her. I mean, I do think she was blindsided. I mean, she shouldn't have been given, you know, the whole thing of the discussion about maybe he's right, cheating at Jamaica. Right, but you know, you make bad decisions, you make bad choices, but yeah. it is sad, and I do feel bad for her. But at this point, like, she's making me feel bad for him. Me too. Like, just cut him loose already. Make yeah. the choice. Fish or cut bait. Yeah. Um, and then we go to the... I keep wanting to call her Jennifer, but Elizabeth and Andre, mm-hmm. um, the gender reveal party and where all of her family are there. And, you know, you know, I give him a hard time, Andre a hard time. Cause he is very like, he's like I a am, Neanderthal. He is like a Neanderthal, but I do believe he loves her and he's really totally. excited about this baby and he's trying, you know, and the thing is that like her family makes it so hard. And well, they look down on him. They do, and they still are waiting for this to, like, blow up in her face. Which, at this point, they shouldn't be, because there's a baby in the mix. So, like, at this now point, they, they should, should all embrace be rooting. him and yeah. let it go. Supporting. And I feel like her mom probably does, because you don't see a lot of her mom... Completely agree. ...complaining or anything. It's the dad, it's the and, the dad the and that sister. There's well, at least two, two sisters. sisters. Yeah, that are kind of, like, annoying. But, you know, it's, it's awkward for poor Andre. <laughs> um, well, I also think it's a problem in a way that he is I think he's really keeping them at arm's length. I think she made a comment at the beginning of that scene that this was like the first time that he was going to be at a family event since, maybe since we last saw him at a family event and that they've been like regularly skipping family stuff. And I can say as someone who has my in-laws very, very close by and actually my, my family of origin very, very close by and I see them all weekly it's like, it doesn't matter if there's something going on or there's some kind of awkwardness. Like, everything kind of gets smoothed over if you if you don't just avoid it, you know? So I think that in a way, he's probably making it worse. Well, but were, were you them. seeing your family and Namir's family on such a regular basis before you had Mo- Maurice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was still a weekly thing? Weekly, yeah. Oh, wow. That's commitment, girl. Well, we really do live very close <laughs> you by, do. so... That's like our social circle, really, yeah, is our true. two families. And then the sort of, and on his side, with the Lebanese side, there's like a bunch of other people who are well, not family, it's but it's sort of cultural. Yeah, yeah. but I'm just saying, and I'm not judging him. I'm just no, saying, no, no. I think that party, at least, was more awkward because they'd been so studiously avoiding 
family events. Well, and they're all into, it's the anticipation, right? Everybody's like, oh God, he's going to be here. What's everybody going to say? And you know, I think Andre's also in this weird place where, yeah, he, he is a Neanderthal. So in his mind, he's supposed to be the one who is taking care of his wife and his baby, and they've had to rely a lot on her dad. And I think that's truly humiliating to him, and he's Absolutely. truly motivated to change it. It's just a matter of time and, and being able to do that. And yeah. And I, so I think when he says to the dad, like, "This is my responsibility. I'm going to step up." I think he really wants to, and I think he really believes that. It's just, I think the hard part too is that Elizabeth doesn't want to let go of her lifestyle. Like, right. I think he's willing to live much. More modestly. More modestly. Yeah. I think that she's not willing to live Completely modestly. Completely agree. And so because she's running of that, to daddy. Yes. And then he gets the flack for it. Right. I because think he's totally kind of right. like, no, we don't have to live in a three bedroom house. Mm-hmm. Like, this is ridiculous. Let's go back to living in a, you know, two bedroom apartment or whatever. You know, we don't know that, by the way. No. It just seems from what we're getting. We're that just the case. making that assumption because yeah. that is what we are here to do. Right. Exactly. Um, and then, okay. So then. To another dysfunctional family. Chantal and Pedro. Chantal goes to Thanksgiving and everybody's like, where is he? Like, all shocked that he wouldn't show up. Which is so stupid. Because, like, there have been times when, you know, when my husband and I were together in the beginning, he had, um, he didn't come to Easter one year. And he was always invited, you know, and stuff. And he didn't come to Easter it happened to be he had issues with his ex and his son. He had to get him back or whatever. And so I went with my older daughter, Olivia. She was a baby at the time, and we just went. And then my family's like, oh, you know, Chris didn't come. He's not here. And I'm like, no, he's staying back and, you know, doing things. So, But they didn't, like, harp on it and make it some, like, huge deal that he's, like, not there with me to support me or whatever. They're right. just like, okay, he couldn't come. You know, and then they moved on. Like, these, I feel like they're making it such an issue that, like, oh, my God, your spouse didn't come to think. Well, they're taking every possible opportunity they can find to, to stick him. it to him. Yeah. yeah, it's so fucked up. Like, And she's not defending him. And and stop calling them mommy and daddy. That's just weird. You're adults. It was a little weird. I mean, I don't call my mom mommy. I sometimes do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, do you call your dad daddy? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thanks for judging me. Oh, totally. I don't feel 100%. safe in this space with you anymore. <laughs> my eight-year-old won't even call me mommy anymore. She probably will when she's 25. Yeah, you're right. She probably Just will. wait. <laughs> It'll come That's back. That's when they're cutest. It'll come back. Um, and then mommy brings out a taser to let them know. That was so stupid it was the and whole staged. thing. And she and the mom and and Chantel kind of shares with her with her. They have this really odd affect where they kind of speak too slowly or like they can't think oh, of the yeah. word. Chantal is like that. I don't like the way she talks. It's it it's me. it's almost like I don't know. It's almost like a um, almost like a verbal tick in a way, like yeah. a consistent tick where well, they just I don't. don't uh, uh, I don't know. There's something about the way Larissa talks. And, and Chantal well, Chantel doesn't open her mouth. She speaks through Chantal, closed Chantal. teeth. Yeah, she does. And it's very weird. And Bob doesn't do that. But they both share this thing where they just have this, it's like this slow, meandering thing where they know exactly what they want to say, but they just say it, you know, with these awkward pauses. And it just really annoys me. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I don't, I, there's, that whole family is just messed up, I think. In my 
humble opinion. No, I agree. I think they're super, super dysfunctional. Um, so the episode ends with Larissa, and it's the morning of her trial. I felt genuinely sorry for her. I did. That's got to be terrifying. Terrifying, yeah. Um, but I did make an observation, and I don't know if you ever watched uh, SNL in, like, the 90s, but mm-hmm. when Colt was getting ready for work and walking out, he looked like Pat. Oh, no, that you sent me, and that I didn't oh, recognize. Okay. I mean, I, I looked it up, and I agree, but I didn't remember that. Okay, so you guys Stay. have to Google Pat. It's was, from SNL. Yeah, she was an androgynous character where she it was like a skit where every episode she would every time she'd be in a skit, everybody would be talking about how they didn't they were trying to figure out if she was a woman or a man. Oh god. And so and her name was Pat and then she's so, like, yeah. "Oh, my friend's coming with me." And they're like, "Oh, what's your friend's name?" "Chris." So it could be like a girl or a boy. <laughs> and so they were all like confused. Which, of course, nowadays, if that skit was on, it'd be totally offensive to so yeah, many Yeah, I don't think people. they could do that now. They could not. Pat was like a thing of the 90s and the 80s when it was like socially acceptable to be confused about that. But I just think it. he totally looks like Pat. I think it was because he was wearing like a blue button down that he was like stuffing himself into. And he or had, herself. Like, or <laughs> in khakis. And like, I just, I don't know. I could not get the image out of my mind. Google it. I feel really sorry Look for Cole. I think that he really struggles with his weight. I, I don't think he struggles. No, I think he does. Because they have these weird things. Like, I remember he had the protein shake thing. And I don't know. There's a lot of angst around what he eats, I have to say. Now, I am thinking back to the giant croissant. Well, and also, like, the food that Debbie makes for him is just all grease and... It's kind of like a Midwestern style it of cooking. Is. Like a hot dish. Yeah. Style but or it's like, like a minute steak. In no way healthy. I shouldn't say Midwest. I should say... No, that's right. That's accurate. No, well, no, because I think they do that. Like, I think in Napoleon Dynamite, you know, and that was Idaho or something, which I don't think is the Midwest. No. And they did the weird steak thing that... Because that, did you notice that for one meal, he literally, and Larissa, he and Larissa were just sitting there with like just a huge, huge steak, steak on yeah. their plate. And I was like, I guess it's keto. Maybe he's on the keto diet. Not with My that point. big old croissant. Not with it, but that was a while ago. My point is that I think he really struggles with his weight and with like food issues. So you're saying I shouldn't make fun of him? No, I'm saying I won't make fun of him. Okay. <laughs> I'm, you can do what you want. Okay. All right, people. All right, haters. Direct your negative feedback to me. <laughs> and I say this knowing that I myself struggle with my weight. Well, we all do. <laughs> I'm not perfect. But I'm also not on television. No. I preferred the podcast life. Yeah, yeah, where you can't see us. <laughs> All right, so that is the episode. That is the second episode. And now we're on episode three. Should we take a um, commercial break? Yes, we'll be back. All right, and we're back. Now we're on to episode three of season four mistrials of marriage wait before we get started yes what are we doing about the what i don't know what the hell it's called there's so many freaking spinoffs now but it's like the they have there is a spinoff on right now like a where are they now or oh it's like you know the really old couples you know 
And I've watched maybe, I think they have maybe one episode live or two at this point. Okay, well, we'll I'll look at those yeah. and then maybe we'll cover it next week. Yeah, let's do And I think we could do it pretty quickly. It'll be like this, guys, where we're just going to go couple by couple because that's actually really more the, the format of that show, too. Okay. So that'll be easy to add on. So just keep that in mind, you guys. We're not forgetting about it. But it hasn't been very well advertised. Yeah, I didn't even know about I it. I keep missing it. Like, it's not coming up, you know, on my app, like, right away. So okay, we'll cover that. All right, so this one is going to be um, couple by couple. So we're going to start with Larissa and Colt. And it is trial day. And Colt's afraid of... he doesn't That go she's going to gonna run off with her lawyer, who's hot AF. And she knows that. Because she's that like... That guy is so he's cute. amazing. Where was that guy in my law school <laughs> not, class? Not there. I wanted him to be in my section. He didn't go to Hastings. Clearly not go to Hastings. <laughs> well, he has some, like, you know, shingle hung out in Nevada as a criminal defense attorney. No offense to those people. <laughs> in Vegas, though, I'm sure he's he busy. He must make great... He must have a great book. I, um, might, I might call him for work. Yeah, she really... That'll bring me out of early retirement. She, Adam she, Esquire. She really has a thing for... She's crushing on uh, Adam. We all are. Yes. Please defend me, Adam. <laughs> I know. I'm going to go out and commit a crime. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to hire Adam. <laughs> um, and Colt doesn't go to court because... He's afraid he's going to be called as a witness. Does that happen? Yeah, so I, again, this isn't legal advice, but I definitely understand that it's possible that the rule in this particular court, in the Nevada, you know, criminal trial court, is that whoever's, like, in the courtroom at the time is sort of callable. I think that that's probably what he's referring to, that it's like a rule of court. I don't know what the rules of criminal procedure or criminal trial how, how they work in Nevada, but I'm just guessing based on what, you know, my general knowledge from law school that it is actually possible that that's the rule there. So, I don't know to does, repeat. Yeah. So he decides just to play it safe and go to work. And, um, Debbie ends up taking Larissa to court. That was and sweet. They go in and Larissa tells us later that she was planning on going in alone, but then asked Debbie to come with her. And Debbie did. I think Larissa was was really terrified. Terrified. And I think it was really sweet to have somebody there with her. You know, I have to say, I think Larissa had a really bad experience in jail. She made this crazy oh, comment yeah. um, about in the last episode about how when she was in jail, she had to like make the right friends to mm-hmm. sort of make it through. And I have to say, I didn't get the impression she was lying or no. being super dramatic. I think she was terrified. Okay, so. <laughs> And then, and then, and just to, to, to close the circle on this yeah. one, if she was convicted on, at this trial, you know, I don't know if she would get jail time for that. I really have no clue. I think, it, I believe it's a misdemeanor. So I, I don't, I just don't know what was on her immigration status, but I'm saying, I don't know if jail time was on the table mm-hmm. and if it was, that could have been, it, in other words, I don't know that she was just afraid of being deported. I think right. she might've actually been terrified of going back to jail, which is really, I mean, Pitiful. I get it. I mean, I, I pitied her. Yes. You know. Well, so uh, there's this new show on Netflix. Hmm. It's called Jailbirds. What? And it is a reality show that it's only six episodes, and it kind of depicts life in the Sacramento County Jail. Okay, watching this. <laughs> I had to watch it because it's I on. am from Sacramento. From a jail in Sacramento. From Be the honest. Sa- Sacramento... <laughs> Well, well, the what, the funny thing is, I watched the first episode and I'm like, "Phew, I don't know anybody." You're like, "Oh, that was my cell." 
But it is terrifying. Like, there's a girl, they they kind of followed the girl, this one girl in the first episode mm. where she gets arrested. You don't really know until later what she gets arrested for, but, like, the police are talking about how you usually don't see a first offender getting all of these charges. Oh, wow. And she kind of doesn't know what's going on, and they put her in, like, a holding cell, and the telephone there doesn't have uh, a handle. Uh-huh. So she has to, like, kind of talk into it, and she's they have, like, a wall full of bail bondsman numbers, so mm-hmm. she's trying to get out. But her bail is set at $100,000, which usually means your bail is, like, 10000 Right. So she's like, is there some sort of payment plan? And the person that was talking to her from the bail bondsman place is like, this is bullshit. I don't even need to talk to you and hung up on her. And she's like, what? So she's totally stressed out. She's like, I just want my mom. How did I get here? Like she comes in feeling all cocky. And then wow. as soon as, and then they have her stripped down. Oh, and then they like the, the officer tells her to bend over and like pull apart her like vagina and cough oh hard God. three times to make sure she's not. No, I know, but that they showed that. Well, they didn't show, they showed the cop telling her to do this. They don't show her oh. actually doing it. Um, and then they give her her prison garb and then they put her in a cell and she's like, um, excuse me, can I get a clean cell? <laughs> okay, that's funny. And the officer's like, uh, our cleaning staff, the floors are not dirty. She's like, um, this is dirty. And she's like, yeah, okay, bye. Sorry, you know what that reminds me of? Alexis Nyers, the, the bling ring girl. Yeah, you remember like on the on the phone, like she had like a I think she had like a pink razor phone or something, and she's like crying her eyes out or whatever. Yes, I mean that's what it kind of it was so funny because she was just like, um, can I get a clean cell? <laughs> that's gnarly. I'm gonna watch that. Thank you for the recommendation. Yeah, you but know yes, what? That's the point. I think that yeah, it is. It was rough. In fact, my daughter came up to me. Olivia, my eight year old, came up to me while I was watching it on um on my iPad. And my husband's like, you should not be watching that in front with your eight-year-old. And I'm like, this is a teaching it's moment. It's a teaching moment. That's I'm like, took this the words right out of my mouth. I, said, I was going to say that. I go, this is parenting winning right here. Because I am teaching her what she does. This is what happens when you make bad choices. Yeah. Do you want to live there? Do you want to live in a, in a little room where there's a toilet right next to it? Do you want to do all... Look at this. Look at how disgusting the food is. Like, you don't want to end up there. It was. It was... Totally, I, I was having a teachable moment. Hashtag parenting win. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Anyway, sorry for that little segue, but... No, so she's genuinely terrified. She's thank terrified, God she I get has, it. Thank God she has Adam. I get it. So, they come out. Larissa's happy because the case has been dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where Larissa starts crushing on the uh, attorney, like, very vocally. Um, and she's relieved, and she she actually thanks Debbie for coming with her, which is very sweet, and they yeah, hug. Yeah, but I think they've done this before, and Debbie m- m- has mentioned it, where there's this weird cycle with Larissa. Yeah. These really high highs and low lows when it comes to their relationship. Like, I think Debbie is always working with this base level of, like, being very willing to get along with Larissa, because she, she knows that it's what's best, and she's a mature person. Like, you know, she's you know, an older yeah. lady. Like, she gets it. She wants to get along, but it takes two to tango, and I think Larissa is just constantly vacillating between you know wanting to make it work with debbie being kind and then like really just turning on her and being yeah. vicious i think that's true and it's you know so this is just right now is cycle. a high yeah. where she's very grateful that debbie was there and it's, it was kind of a sweet touching moment as fleeting as it may be right um and then they go home and 
she's talking about how relieved she is, and then Colt comes home and he With brings flowers. he brings her flowers finally, and he apologizes. Um, she seemed really smug during the apology, but then she also apologizes. To yeah, him. I was surprised by that. And she says she's going to try harder, and they celebrate. And so it was it was kind of a good moment where like they both kind of said, I, "It's just so hard for me because I feel like Larissa is so much more animated and." You can see her emotions kind of on her face. And Colt is so, like, mono the whole time. Like, it's right. so hard. There's such a mismatch. Yeah, like, it, it, he looks exactly the same when he's pissed and when he's happy. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to kind of judge that or, you know, interpret what it means. But whatever. They seem to be happy for now. Um, so that is the Colt and Larissa part story. of the story of last the last episode. Then we go to um, Chantal and Pedro, and you know, it. She is telling you know Pedro that it offended her family that he didn't go to Thanksgiving, and they decide to go on this double date night with uh, their friends Cassie and Danny, who have three children, and they're kind of in a similar. They started out in a similar way because Cassie is American and Danny is from the Dominican Republic Mm -hmm. and they had trouble in the beginning of their marriage and clearly it's better now because they have three kids and they seem to be more stable. They seem stable. Yeah. Um, but during this whole interaction, it was just weird. Like, well, no, it wasn't. It was exactly what you would expect. Like, well, yeah, they're completely Chantel and Pedro are completely, you know, on edge with each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're out with another couple, it, it just is like the mirror, you know, that is going to reflect back at you all the issues because they conceivably are not having those issues. And especially with this particular couple where they're looking at it, having come out the other side, you know, through the crucible, you mm-hmm. know, and now they're a stable couple. I think that it's almost harder for Chantal and Pedro to look to look at that goal that seems to them now, I think, so far away. So I think that it was it had the opposite effect than the one Chantal wanted which was that it would sort of help them and chill you know calm things down for them and give them like a good perspective I think instead it really showed them how far they really have to come yeah and half the time I was like Chantal shut up like he was explaining how he wanted to go to the DR and he just he wants to go to the Dominican Republic because he wants to be with his family and you know Danny and Cassie are like wow a whole month that's a really long time um you know, to go without your wife. But I mean, I don't know. I totally understood why he wants to do it. I I get it. Like, I don't think it's that horrible of a thing, but like, and I don't think they really, I think Danny gets it. He was pretty quiet throughout this whole process. Yeah. I wonder if that's how they, that's their separate piece. Yeah. I feel like he sort of got it. And you know, and I get it. Like Pedro's like, I just need to be, need it to be quiet for a little while and be with people who support me because he's right. Like he's in this country and everybody is Team Chantal. It's her family. It's her friends. Right. It's her life. You know, even after three years. And so for him, he's like, I just need to go back with my people for a little while. And I get it. I think she should be supportive of it. Um, but it ended up being a really awkward dinner. And No, you know, I, I actually kind of disagree with you about that. I think that in theory it was awkward, but I don't know that it really was because the couple they were out with had been there, sort of. So I actually yeah. felt like it was okay. Like, it was probably was really a... good for their marriage because they probably yeah. went home and were like, oh, thank God we're not thank there God anymore. Thank God we're out of that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I have to say, I think a month is a long time. 
And I also wonder about his work situation. Like, how the hell is he getting a month off? Um, you know, would this entail him quitting his job so we could go, like, start this mystery business? Which leads us, of course, to the conversation that they end up having at the attorney's office, which was awkward. That was now, awkward AF. The, the immigration lawyer... Well, she gave us all a lot of really interesting information. Mm-hmm. So... He, so you have the initial green card and then I get, think you get an initial temporary green card that lasts for three years or something. Yeah, something like that. And his is about to expire. And then you file for a removal of the conditions of this temporary green card, which means you have to show that you're still married, that you're living together, that you've commingled your assets, like all of that stuff, right? And if it gets approved, you get the long-term or quote-unquote permanent green card. Which is still only a 10-year green card, it seemed like. Yeah, but I think by that point, like, it's probably... What's, what do you get after that? Like, you just get probably, another 10-year green card? I think it keeps renewing, yeah. and then you can, you know, you get permanent residency. But maybe there's no longer conditions or something. Yeah, because I think my par- my grandparents were permanent residents for a really long time, and okay. didn't be, for like 30 years. They didn't become citizens until they were like in their 90s oh that's right because there's that distinction that joe judice is now right ruining the day that he decided i guess not to every day that he decided not to become a citizen <laughs> right so he wants to start some businesses in the dominican republic and you know the lawyer says there's no there's nothing wrong with that that's totally fine as long as your permanent residence is in the united states and then they get to the really awkward part where they start to talk about divorce which was really enlightening and he brought it up. And he way. brought it up. He's like, so if we get a divorce, she's like, if you have already been approved for the 10-year permanent green card, it has no effect on your green card status. Which makes me believe that after you've been accepted for the for the permanent one, they've accepted that you didn't come here just to get married and get yeah. a green card, and that you now are officially a permanent resident and can apply for a citizenship okay. at any time thereafter. Um, but... What the interesting part is that Chantal was like, well, am I still on the hook? Because I think we've talked about it before that when you marry somebody and they get a green card and they come to this country, you're sponsoring them. And I think that sponsorship is like 10 years or something. That's my understanding yeah. from this television show. Right. And because they talk about that a lot. Like with Molly and Louise, it was a big thing. Right. So then she asked. But, okay. I have, to, I have to say, and again, this is... Please, people, we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. But the f- just purely from my watching of this show, I have gleaned an understanding that may or may not be accurate, that it isn't as if you, you, the American, the sponsoring American, are, like, responsible for all their bills and everything. It's more like you have to make sure that they don't end up on the dole kind of a thing. I think that's I, I don't true. know if I'm right about this, but it just seemed like... It was more like, okay, you're guaranteeing the, the U.S. government that they're not going to end up on welfare. Well, that the government's not going to be affected. Having to pay for them, kind of. Right. Thing. Yeah, as opposed to, like, you have to financially support them, quote-unquote. Like, what the hell does that mean? Like, you have well, to buy them a car? Like, can, I, I just, they can't go on unemployment. Yeah, they can't go on unemployment, which is what I'm sort of calling the dole, which is right. probably offensive. <laughs> this is in 1929. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I was a history major. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, it's true. Like, I mean, there are a lot of... It I wish of, I had more clarity on that. I wish words. I did too. And maybe we should be calling that immigration lawyer and asking exactly. her some questions. And then maybe we can pretend that like we're having a big fight in front of her too. And she could be like, <laughs> why wow. does this keep happening to me? <laughs> totally. Um, 
But what's interesting is, and I think this is the loophole that Louise and Molly kind of went through is, and Jay and Asher going there's through, some is there the, there's this two year, this temporary green card thing. And if you don't apply to remove the conditions, well, Ashley hasn't even applied for the temporary for the green one, card, I believe you're but right. But there's this like, if you don't apply to remove the restrictions, then there's no permanent green card. And then maybe that means you're not signing on to sponsor them for that. Yeah, second but, period of time. Okay, but think... No, first of all, I don't think that's true. I think the 10-year thing is... And again, I don't know, but it seems from Molly and Luis's situation that the 10-year thing actually starts just at the time you get the K-1. And then as long as you actually get married... Oh, like right. Then, okay, maybe. You know, versus if you don't get married, they have to go back and then within the 90 days, and then obviously you're not responsible for them because they're no longer in the country. But I think that if you sort of see that process through to a marriage and to the completion of the K-1 process, then I think the 10 years kicks in. Because it's like, that's the time, that's the way they got into the country. That's you But know. you have to also apply, I think it's that the K-1 thing, you're just responsible with them for them until they apply for, because that's the whole Jane Ashley thing. Like, that's why she wants to de- to divorce, get rid of right, him, and doesn't want right. to play for the papers. God, I'm so confused. I wish, I really wish I had a better understanding yeah, of this. Yeah, I don't understand that, but we I can... I should do some actual research. But the bottom line on this one is that right. Chantal would be on the hook even if they got divorced. That's what the lawyer is telling her. Like, mm-hmm. what, at whatever they are, whatever point they happen to be in this process. Which seems like he's at is. the renewal process to get his permanent visa. His green card. I'm sorry, his, his 10-year green card. Um... He's already got the temporary green card, and now he's trying to... And this, by the way, sorry to interrupt you. No, go ahead. This is my point from earlier that I think is the most important point about this whole situation, is he makes a comment that up until this point, she has supposedly been manipulating and controlling him with the threat that she's basically going to send him back. And if that's true, whoa. I mean, that is emotionally abusive, oh, in, my, for sure. in my opinion. It's like the Ashley J thing, except without Him the actually Jay part. cheating on her. Right. I mean, like, he's been, he, and he's been putting up with her and her family and their drama. And he got a job and, you know, all yeah. the things. And he's living, like, a normal life here. But there, she has leverage, right? Because That's she's crazy. like, like I'm you, the citizen and you're not. You can't do that in a marriage. You cannot no. do that and have and a marriage so work. I think for him, he's trying to get equal footing in a way by saying, oh, so if we got a divorce, she's going to have to pay for me. Yeah. I think maybe he's thinking now he can have more of an equal partnership with her. But my thought for him is like, if she wasn't willing to have an equal partnership with you when she didn't quote unquote have to, then the whole thing is moot. Well, I mean, me. the whole thing is just fucked up for them anyway. I don't think they're going to make it. In other words, once, I don't once think they're going to make that, it either because I, was I like, think okay. they are totally that like, they are the vacation couple. Yeah, they were in lust. Who they were in lust, and then they come, and reality hit, and yeah. they're not really matched well. No, not at all. And they're not ready. They're both too immature to be married. And they both need to learn to communicate better, because she is right. He did misinterpret her words. He, she never said, I never want to have children with no, you. No, she didn't. She said, right now, with our family not... I don't want to have a ch- bring a child in this world when our family is not speaking. And... He's like, no, no, you said you don't want to have kids with me. Okay, no. it's not what happened. Anyway, they're fucked. I, I feel bad for him because she's annoying. All right, so now we go. That, that's, do you have anything about that couple you want to share? Um, no, I think that you totally hit the nail on the head with the idea of the vacation couple, and he didn't know who she really was. I think 
think she probably did know who he was. She probably did, but I, I don't think, think he's like surprised her very much. No. Other than with the violence and the idea that, and she kind of made this point, like I didn't even know he had it in him right. to sort of physically attack someone. But I think that honestly, probably everyone has that in them in the right situation. You know, yeah. most people would probably absolutely erupt in anger, whatever that means. You know, yeah. No, I think so, and I think she felt has always felt very much, you know, have, having the upper hand. Yeah, I hate that. I mean, I really did turn on her. Yeah, I, I, I never really liked her, but I do feel like she's got this whole family, and they're all here, and they're all always going to be Team Chantal, which they're her family, I get it, but, like, he literally has nobody. And she's literally controlling him with his immigration status. Right. Like, I think this is a hopeless situation. Yeah. Okay. So now we go to, this is where I start turning on Powell. Yeah, me too. Paula and Russell. This is where I, I do believe that his family and his friends were hard on her when she first, when they first got married and when she first came to Oklahoma and when they were first living in Oklahoma. I think she did have a negative experience there. I will 100% give her, give her you know, benefit of the doubt there. And I think it was hard. But now that she's made all this effort to go back to Oklahoma, she's, like, anticipating the worst, and she's not making it any better for herself. Like, her mother-in-law did this really nice shower and invited all of these people to see her. I mean, whether... She put in the effort. She put in so much effort. And also, yeah, maybe a lot of them knew Russ, so they're really excited to see him. But she's the one who's pregnant, so they probably wanted to see her, too. Yep. You know, and... Pow decides to go get her nails done at the very last minute, right when she knows people are coming for the shower, and she's late, and like over an hour late, like not just like running late or anything, like she's fucking late. That is so rude and so disrespectful, um, and it's not going to help them want to mend fences with her. Agreed. So... Um, and Russ is there. He stays there until she gets there. And he, there, all the guys are going to go play golf. Um, and he calls her and he's like, hey. you know. And he's not the most assertive male. So he's kind of... I mean, you could tell like his dad and his mom and Russ, they're all pretty like quiet, passive... Introverted. Introverted people. And so they're not going to like scream at her or yell at her or be pissed. But They'll like, be passive aggressive. But I have to say, and this, this moment for me was kind of a watershed for how I, I'm viewing her was this idea, and he brought it up, that in Colombia people are late. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. So that's the culture. And then the culture here, let's say, and in, and in his particular area in Oklahoma, let's call it a conservative culture. He, he says that. So, and they're not, I'm not saying those are two sides of the same coin. I'm just saying, let's consider the fact that Powell's problem here has been that she came into this conservative culture where they judged her for being so you know... Colombian. Yeah, for, for her cultural aspects of being, you know, maybe showing more skin and being more, you know, sex forward and things like that. Okay. And then, so that's 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 why she had problems with them before when they lived there because they had that cultural clash. Okay, now they have a different cultural clash where you have late versus on time. And I realized that what you said before, which I agreed with you before this episode aired, I agreed that I felt sorry for her, that they had judged her, that they had shamed her. But then when I saw this happen, and the fact that she was so deeply disrespectful of the American culture that she actually was in, in that particular moment where she was invited to a party in a country 
where the understanding is you go to the party on time. And he said she knew that. It made me start to question whether back in the day mm. when they had this other culture clash, if it wasn't also a, dis- a, a purposeful disrespectfulness on her part that they were actually sensing and feeling. Do you know, do you know yeah, what I mean? Like well, maybe she absolutely. was purposefully trying to make them feel uncomfortable you know, well, by asserting her culture. And I'm like, no, because it has to go both ways. There has to be mutual respect. Well, and also, like, I'm sorry, but if you're staying with your husband's family, his parents, I don't care how liberal or conservative they are, you don't walk down the stairs in, like, a negligee. Can I comment on that? Because I was in Lebanon in an apartment. My father-in-law owns an apartment in, in Lebanon, and I was in that apartment with them, living with them. I've never, like, lived under the same roof as my in-laws, and I was so, like, freaked out kind of going there about how am I going to not sort of offend them. I didn't know what their... I had no idea what their comfort level was with that kind of a thing. And so I brought my bathrobe on the trip, which still didn't feel like enough for me. But then by the very first morning when, you know, we had gotten there the night before, the kids didn't sleep, I didn't sleep, I just did not give a fuck. And I came (laughs) out in my with my bathrobe, like, half open, and I just kind of, like, started the trip off. With, like, yeah. you know, breastfeeding, you know, in front of them. And I don't know, it was kind of almost good that I got to rip the band aid off yeah. because I think we all have that concern. Well, but yeah. then with how it's the opposite, where I think she was actually trying That's to, the to, thing. I don't know. I give her a lot of credit and I do give her the benefit of the doubt that it was probably very uncomfortable for her in Oklahoma. But I'm not sure how much of that was intentional on the part of Russ's family and friends right. and how much of it was just her own perception right because she was uncomfortable being herself and i feel like if she had been a little bit more confident um no it it might have been confidence but it also i actually think it was more like she wanted to impose her culture on them right and she didn't want to have to accept any any part of any any, she didn't want to compromise no you know and i think they probably picked up on that and i have to say i wonder now because you mentioned these are like pretty passive people like they're not aggressive this is not the family chantelle you know so i started feeling i started turning on pow a little bit not just in this area in this particular party situation where she was clearly in the wrong waltzing in so late for no good goddamn reason but that generally i really started to question how much of this was you know totally how much we can just assume that this was totally his his family's fault i I don't think it was i think that she probably did not make the kinds of compromises that she should have Made. That they probably made. That they probably made, yeah. And I think that his mom really was making an effort and is genuinely excited about her grandchild. And ha- I think that she has accepted Powell as her daughter-in-law. Like, I completely agree. And I, I think, think she's, she's totally... dying for them to move back. And I think she's terrified that this kid is going to be raised several so states away. away from her. You know, for no good reason. It's not like they have family in Miami. It's just where Powell feels comfortable. And then again, I start to question this. Like, she made him quit his job. He ended up with no job for a long time. It's sounding very selfish. It's very selfish. I don't think she's been willing to make any compromises. Yeah, I feel like... And then she tries to be the victim. Like, that's the thing, too. Like, at the end, she's like... She comes in late. So, it's all her fault. She comes in late. People have to leave. Because they've already been there for two hours. And they're not leaving in a huff. They're not leaving. They're not angry. They're saying hi. They're just like, hey, I have have a wedding to go to. And I made my a point to be here to see you. And then she's like, everybody left right after I opened the gifts. It was like crazy. And they're like, yeah, but they'd already been there for hours. Like she was completely, completely in the wrong. And I'm actually surprised that she kind of allowed herself to be 
filmed acting that poorly in a way because it was so premeditated. And to be, and to, you know, give her a little bit of credit, maybe his mom, maybe they could have stopped at the house first before she went to get her nails done together and said, while while Patty was still setting up the, the shower and said, so because I'm not in Columbia and this is an American shower, like how, how is this going to go? And she could say, Oh, well people are going to start coming two hours before. No, no, no. She knew. Cause Russ specifically said that, that she knew. Well, I mean, I'm just trying to give her a little bit of credit. I don't think you can. She's just wrong. I don't think you can. She's, I thought she was just super selfish and it was her own damn fault that things didn't go her way. And now she's going to use it as another reason why they can never move to Oklahoma. And poor Russell's like fucked. And he has a job, a good job opportunity there. Mm-hmm. I don't get the impression that he's found a lot of success in Miami. My my recollection Mm-mm. from the last time we saw them, like in a previous season, was that he'd had to take like a really not good, like a step down, not good job, just because it was like the only thing he could find there. Mm-hmm. And she was insisting on living there. And before we move on, by the way, can we take a break? Yeah. Okay. All right. So now we're back with Elizabeth and Andre and. A lot of stuff happens. Elizabeth meets with her dad and they chit chat. And then uh, Elizabeth goes back home and talks to Andre and then they fight. And, you know, my overall feeling is this. If you're going to accept money from your parents and accept them basically paying for your life, then you have to just shut the fuck up and let them have opinions about your life. Like, that's just the way I see it. Like, they're entitled to tell you that you're not living up to their expectations when you are living in their home, essentially. Yeah, so I think if they, I think that her father, I think her sisters have no right to any no, opinion that's and they're different. totally overstepping. But I think the dad absolutely has every right to defend his own financial interests. Mm-hmm. So he can have opinions that relate directly to his own financial or, or, or general interests. So, as you said, if he's footing the bill for X, Y, and Z, he has every right to know where his money's going, you know, when he conceivably will can expect to no longer have this responsibility um, or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And you're 100% right. And I, but I also, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Andre and Elizabeth are really getting much actually flack from the dad like the dad had that whole sit down with her at the cafe about the grass and like the house not being kept up to snuff but that was it and it seemed like it was the first and only time anything like that had ever really come up yeah I think a lot of it is perceived and I think it's a lot of it is I think Elizabeth's the problem she's totally the problem she's she came home like instigating things with Andre and then he was finally like I'm done Mm -hmm. like then we won't accept any money from your parents we'll move out like, if this is going to be an issue, then let's move out. And that's kind of what you have to decide to do. Unless your parents, unless the parents are saying, look, we're going to give you $10,000. Do with it what you will. Mm-hmm. It's a free and clear gift. You won't hear anything else from me. Yeah, that's not what's happening But that's happening not here. the situation. They're, he's letting them live in the, his house rent-free. And, and they maintain like, it. Take care of it. Yeah. You know? So and he does have the right to comment He has about the right the to comment on it. And, and Andrea has the right... To be mad that the dad seems controlling if that's how he's feeling. Yeah, and then he needs to move out. And then he can do that. But in to our point earlier, yeah, sure, she doesn't like that idea because then she's going to have to live like in an apartment. Oh. 
No, I agree. I think she's a total princess. She's a total princess. I think her dad raised her to be a princess. Absolutely. Her dad's feeding into it. And her dad's trying to... I I think this is kind of a classic cognitive dissonance moment where her dad doesn't want to acknowledge that maybe he kind of fucked up and raised a really spoiled, entitled daughter. Mm -hmm. So instead he wants to just blame her husband. So he's just shifting blame. Because he's easy. He's an easy target. He's a very easy target. He's He's the outsider. He's the outsider. He doesn't have a steady job right now. There's some language issues. You know, and he, for him, I didn't realize this, but like Andre was saying too, I brought three months worth of money into this marriage too. It's not like we've been just sponging off. And... I actually probably don't think Andre knows how much money she's actually taking from the dad. Yeah. Because he's probably footing the bill for a lot more things that she's just not even telling him about. Oh, totally. You know? And so for him, he's like, what? So he gave us this this house. We can go get an apartment. You know? But she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I completely agree. (laughs) There are other things that we won't get. Andre, like, married a spoiled girl before he was able to actually foot the bill for how spoiled she is. And that what we are looking at is the ugly transition Mm -hmm. between... And I actually believe that ultimately Andre is, through hell or high water, going to figure out a way to maintain her in the lifestyle to which she has custom. I actually believe that. I think it could could come down to him, like, working for the dad or doing something, but, but I actually will. think he will do that he because he because he loves her and he wants to. He yeah, doesn't he want he knew to. Who he married to? I don't think she yeah. hid from him. And she, he doesn't you know. want to be under the dad's thumb. He wants to no. be the provider. That's that's the ne- kind of Neanderthal he is. I don't think he's lazy. I don't think. No. He, I mean, I think that he. I mean, I don't want to make assumptions about Moldova, but just from my like basic understanding, and also the classic film Beautician and the Beast, mm-hmm. which I believe was. It was like in a fix set in like a fictional country that was kind of like a Moldova. Mm-hmm. So I'll just go ahead and assume that that's accurate. Um, it seems like a place where people don't have a lot of money and they have to work really hard. Right. That's just well, what and it seems he was like working in Ireland. Even he said I he had had, had to go job. kind of find work conceivably even outside of Moldova. He had to go. Imagine if if you're in a country. And let's and again, I'm 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 speaking out of my ass here, but I'm just going to make an assumption that Moldova is a very poor country that he literally had to leave and go work as a bouncer in a much wealthier country just to sort of you know make mm-hmm. make make any money, you know. Like mm-hmm. so, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that this is a hardworking guy that isn't used to having things anything handed to him. And I could just be 100% wrong about everything I just said, no, and I'm okay with that. But I I agree with you. I agree with you. He doesn't seem like anyone's. Like he's trying to take advantage of anybody or trying to shirk his duties as what he assumes are his duties as a husband and provider and now father. He's excited for this baby. You know, it's a little disappointing to hear the dad be like, I can't believe you guys got pregnant. Yeah, you know, it was because, weird. I knew how he put it that he came and knocked up his daughter. It's like, what is this, Greece? Yeah, I mean, they got married. I mean, what did yeah. you think was going to happen? And they were already married, you know? Yeah, like, I just feel like it was so, like, disrespectful. It was disrespectful. To their relationship. Then the fact that, you know, she, she, I feel like she's constantly having to prove to her family, like, this is a legitimate relationship, you know? Again, I think it's because they know her. And they know yeah, how that's hard true. of a... Uh, she's a princess. Yeah. And they're like, we're just waiting for her to like wake up and realize, wait a minute, I'm going to have to struggle. Yeah. No, daddy. And the sisters, their whole beef is they know that their dad is basically supporting her. Yeah. And, and you wonder how much he's supporting them or whether they have their own husbands and they're actually set up. You really, I don't have a good beat on what her sisters are sort of up to. I don't, I don't either. And I don't even know what the dad does. I think he, he is a real, I think he's a 
in real estate in okay. the in the sense of like he owns a bunch of properties and he rents them out. Like mm-hmm. I, I have a friend actually who lives in Santa Rosa who runs the, who the, for whom this is his business. It's sort mm-hmm. of an entrepreneurial. You know, you buy up a bunch of properties and then you rent them out. Actually, I mean, it's being, I don't know if, if you're aware of this, but it's becoming kind of a trend for millennials to plan a very early retirement based around real estate mm-hmm. investments. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what he does. Okay. Well, that makes sense. All right. So that's them. They're fighting. She's mad because she's like, how are we going to afford our baby if we don't take any handouts from my dad? And Speaking of babies, we're going to have to take a break because our co-host has woken up from oh, a nap. Oh, pee-pee. Okay. Do we'll we be- want to take a break now? Mm. We have two more couples. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can we can do it, actually, because she needs a couple minutes to wake up. Okay. So, first we have Nicole and Azan. And May is the cutest thing ever, and I just cannot. Oh, I feel so sorry for her. It's her birthday, and the whole family is gathered for the birthday party, and, of course, they're going to grill Nicole. And she's, like, dreading this because she doesn't want to have to answer questions about why they didn't get married and what the issue is. And so nobody understands why they called it off. And I think... Neither do we. Neither do we, but I think they kind of do. They know that he doesn't really want to marry her. And Mm -hmm. they're trying to get her to sort of come to this realization. Totally. And, you know, nobody in that family believes that Ozan actually intends to marry Nicole or that he loves her at all. And the dad is the only one who's like, I, for one, I'm really glad you didn't get married. <laughs> right. You know? Um, the dad looks so Amish to me. He, well, it's the long... It's like he's in witness. Yeah, I know. It's the long beard, but no mustache. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's that kind of look. Yeah. It's interesting. I'd like to know more about him. And he wants to meet the Ozan, as he should, you know? And uh, she's just so defensive all the time. And well, she should be. I mean, she, should, she, she knows she doesn't have a leg to stand on. So. Right. And she's given money to Ozan and they don't have a business. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, so there's that whole birthday scene where everybody's basically coming down on her. That and like, cake looked bomb. That was a Safeway cake. I'm Speaking as a baker, I mean, that buttercream was on point. I have to say, I love your baking and I think it's amazing. But my favorite birthday cake is Safeway cake. Yeah, Safeway cake is amazing. We should go get one. I love Safeway cake. We can celebrate May's birthday together. <laughs> totally. <laughs> From afar. Oh my God. Safeway cake is my favorite thing ever. Um, okay. Oh, and then there's a scene where she's grocery shopping with May and she's getting healthier food. Yeah. Because she says that, you know, Austin, well, basically Austin thinks she's fat. And so she's going to try and like lose weight so that he'll be more attractive to her. Ugh. That's basically the bottom line. I mean, she kind of coats it differently and says it all differently, but, like, as a viewer, this is the problem. He thinks she's fat. He was surprised she was fat when he met her. Mm -hmm. And he's disappointed. He thinks she eats crap. And he's like, take care of yourself and look better. And so now she's actually trying to do that. Yeah, for the cameras. The whole thing is just fucked up. But... I don't think she's going to lose weight. I mean, if she hasn't done it sort of... Yet, I don't. I don't think it's enough motivation to just feel like, oh, you know, I want my fiance in in Morocco. Uh, but I to think that right, want to sleep with me. No, but I think she's getting the feeling. I'm. She has to know that he's not attracted to her. That's that's the thing. That's my point, though. But that's not in a way. That's not even motivating. That's almost demotivating. Well, like that but, makes you feel so crappy about yourself. No, but for her, what are her? Uh, what's the alternative? She's well, already gone in, like so far in on this yeah. guy. 
at this point, she's like, I want him to be attracted to me. I mean, if she's watched her segments at all. I think she's very shallow. I mean, I noticed that from the beginning with her, which is a really interesting aspect of her personality. The way she always talks about him, and it's so... It's also surface. It's just like all she ever really says she likes about him is the way he looks. Mm -hmm. So it's such an interesting mismatch that... Or maybe it's not a mismatch. And maybe that is a motivator for her then to lose weight, that she's just so shallow Mm -hmm. that she thinks all that matters is one's appearance, whether it's his or hers. And he... I mean... It might be a good match in that sense. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. It's just, the whole thing is just messed. I just, I want Child Protective Services to take May. <laughs> or, I don't think we need to go that far. I, I want her parents, or her parents. I want her. May to maybe get a good child therapist. Yeah, that would work. That would I'm telling help. you, after watching Jailbirds, all these people in their fucked up, like, childhoods and I'm gonna watch it. I'm like, May. I know. I know. There's so many... I mean, there's one girl... Oh, sorry to digress and get into jailbirds, but there's one girl who was... Her mom and dad were 13 when she was born. Oh, my God. And her mom's 11-year-old sister basically raised her. Oh, my God. I know. So, not shocking that she's in prison. Ugh. So, it's It's like Britney of Marcel and... Or Marcelino and Britney. It's, it's like if you end up with a bad situation in childhood, it's just... It's almost if not actually inescapable. It's hard. It's really hard. Not prison, but I mean, just, you know, disaster. Yeah, it's it was really sad. Anyway, all right, so I'm here for May. Save May. We're all here for May. Hashtag save May. And her birthday cake. Oh, and her birthday save cake. Save me a piece. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now uh, finally we have Ashley and Jay, and Ashley's getting her hair did. She got extensions and she's getting Botox because she says this whole situation has made her feel really insecure, which I completely hundred percent can understand. Um, you know, she probably had a lot of confidence having this like 20 year old guy be into her and he's good looking and everything. And, and then he goes and like totally betrays her and she's probably feeling incredibly insecure. So I get it. Um, and then she goes to meet with her ex Mikey. Um, and she didn't tell Jay that she was going to go meet with her ex. She I don't get the impression out. they're in like super close contact though about their every move. No, they're not. But like they're like roommates, right? But essentially, so she goes and she asks, she tells Mikey about this whole Tinder situation and what would he do? What the fuck does she expect him to say? I'm sorry, this was whole just thing was so stupid. It was just her trying to boost her ego. No, it was fake. This is this annoyed me so much. This whole segment annoyed the shit out of me because it was so fake. It was so staged. Each of them in their confessionals, etc., they could barely stop from smirking mm-hmm. because it was just completely a hundred percent fake and staged. The storyline of oh, I'm gonna go get mine now. I'm gonna go have a have drinks with my ex and then come back and rub it in Jade's face. And the ex is gonna magically be willing to humiliate himself on camera by saying. You know, she's the one that got away. Who says this? What, what is he, yeah. Frank Sinatra? Like, <laughs> we don't talk like that. Yeah, anyway, true. it was complete crap. And, you know, I hate I hate to do that. I feel like it's kind of breaking the rules of podcasting about reality TV to acknowledge, like, the fourth wall. But I'm sorry. This one just really irritated me because it was so ham-fisted. Yeah. It was so, it, it was so easy to see through it. And I just really didn't. I thought it was really cheap. And they really need to do better. The producers need to do better on Ninth Day. They can't yeah. be playing these like cheap tricks because it brings them down to a lower echelon of reality TV that I think they've worked so hard 
to like claw their way out of. And that's my PSA. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I can see that for sure. And then she does go home and do the whole thing where she tells it's, Jay. It's all just one big play. But he's right. I mean, if anything, it yes. gives it gives it makes you feel more sympathy for Jay. It gives them Jay. the moral high ground, which, I mean, which is how ridiculous. does that happen? <laughs> I know. She basically just just shot herself in the foot yeah. because this whole that, time. That's her whole story. Ashley. I shot Ashley. The Ashley story. <laughs> yeah. I shot myself in the, the foot, foot again. <laughs> because seriously, like she, this whole time people have been behind her because he fucked up. But then she goes and why would she meet with her ex-boyfriend? She cheated. I, I think that's cheating. If I went out with an ex-boyfriend who I was romantically attracted to, didn't tell my husband about it, I would consider myself to have cheated. Yeah. That's my personal standard. I'm not saying that my mm-hmm. standard is an objective standard. It's a subjective standard. Yeah. But, and if she considers what he did, which also didn't presumably include any physical interaction at all. I mean, he didn't even meet any of these girls in person, much less have any form of physical intimacy with them. If she considers that cheating, like this sure as hell is cheating right. also. It's, and I consider this, that cheating as well, by the way. She did the same thing. She did the same thing. She did something worse. She actually met the guy. Right. So I, I'm... It's crazy. She switched it up now. And again, I think this is, I believe, my belief is that they broke up way before this season was filmed. And that that's what's, what's really going on here. They broke up. And then the producers convinced them to come back and basically play out this totally fake storyline that she was on the fence and yada, yada, yada. And this was just part of that fake storyline. Mm. That's my belief. And that they got paid for it. And that's why they did it. Maybe. That, it was, that it's just purely. And again, you know. They're boring. I mean, they are boring. They are boring. Like, they honestly, the, the producers bet on the wrong horse here. Like, yeah, they, they, they these two, these two can't actually live up to that requirement. You know, these aren't the Vanderpump Rules people. Like, you know. Yeah. People who are more skilled and more um, prepared and have more experience with making good TV. Like, these two do not know how to make good TV. No. They had a storyline until they didn't, and we should have just let them let them go. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't put somebody else on. I like how I saved my strongest opinions for 90 Day Fiance. Mm-hmm. Well, hey. It's sharing it with the people. Yeah. You're welcome. You're all welcome. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think that takes care of that episode, and we'll be back next week. And I will definitely take a look at the other spinoff yeah. and see what's going on there and if there's some updates on some of the other couples that we know yeah, and love. We'll get to that next week for yeah, sure. We'll get to that next week for sure. And check out Jailbirds on Netflix if you haven't already. All right, guys. Until next time. <laughs> Bye. Legal disclaimer. This is a personal podcast just for fun solely meant for entertainment purposes. We are lawyers, but we're not giving any legal advice on the podcast. We're not creating any kind of attorney-client relationship in the podcast. And also keep in mind that anything we say, anything at all, it's just our personal opinions. We have no intention of maligning any individual, group, company, religious or ethnic group, nationality, or anything or anyone else. Lisa and Katie have no affiliation with TLC. These are not the opinions of TLC. And finally, anything that we say is not meant to represent anyone other than Lisa Freitas and Katie Saad individually. Finally, please give a, leave us a comment on our Facebook page and give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast service you're using to help us continue to record. Thank you.